Hello and welcome to the Field of Design podcast for your news, stories and nonsense from the sports apparel and sports creative industry. Two gentlemen join me today. Uh, my name is Mason and with me is Nick Bassett. Good evening, let's. And Kit Lushev. Hello. Hello. The gusto levels. Let's turn that dial up just a little bit more, hey? He's excited. If you'd like to keep up with the visual references in today's show, you can by following the links in the podcast app's episode description. Otherwise, follow our Instagram at Field of Design Podcast for highlights from the show. You can get in touch with us via our Instagram or via email at fieldofdesignpodcast at gmail.com. How is that Instagram going, Nick? Good. I got some more posts for tonight, uh, a couple more before the end of the week, and then we'll be on to the new episode. Excellent. I right. think I... <clears throat> oh, I have to uh, ask for people's jerseys of the year too, so get those in if you are wanting to uh, have your say. Yeah, 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 do that, do that. Um, we've got to get some stories running, some polls running as well. We'll get on to that, eh? Unfortunately, my technological prowess means I don't know how to do polls and shit, so that's on you, mate. Leave it with me. I'll speak to my guy. Ah, where's my guy? <laughs> you are my guy. <laughs> are you my guy? <laughs> Kit, what's happening with you, bro? Anything interesting? Nothing, just sitting through some of the worst banter I've ever heard in my life. Well, feel free to join in at any time, eh? Leave the funny stuff to me, mate. Weren't, weren't you uh, supposed to do some highlights this week? Highlights. Highlights. On our Instagram page? Um, that'll happen. Yeah. yeah. You need to remind me. <laughs> Sunday. Sunday. I, th- I thought we were re- releasing on Monday. Oh, we were, Sunday, weren't we? Yeah. Sundays when I sit through and highlights and quotes and whatever. But Drink your sherry on a Sunday evening listening to the the raw cut of the podcast. Anyway, let's get through some news, hey? Nick, why don't you start us off, mate, with some news, hey? Yeah, uh, I guess this one's from a couple weeks ago now, but um, they played in this jersey for the first time about 10 days ago. So Corinthians over in Brazil, one of the sort of big, famous Brazilian football clubs over there, released their 2022-23 uh, third kit and bit of difference in this one. Point of difference. Um, they're looking back on the tenth anniversary of the the side winning the Club World Cup in Japan, uh, defeating Chelsea in 2012. Um, so the jersey's got a bunch of Japanese script running down it and across it, um, and the Japanese script sort of says here is Corinthians um, beige base with the black text. I think it looks fantastic. So. Um, good on them. Really like that badge. Looks quite big on a couple of the photos, but it's still a nice. Uh, is that their? That's their proper formal logo. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's their bad. full logo. Um, just obviously monotone. Is it uh, traditionally not monotoned? I think there's a bit of gold in there usually. Mm-hmm. I actually read, sorry. It's a good way of hiding that terrible template too, having that jersey that way. I don't think you really notice it as much when it's all yeah. the one colour. 
I think having it all one base color definitely helps. You're not getting that rash shirt look of Tottenham or the Australian away or whatever. Um, and then they also just have the one front panel rather than the, that panel up the top. So it does look a little bit better. I think they ran with um, Japanese names on their back as well, their, their player names in, in Japanese. So um, it's quite maybe, an interesting kit. Maybe a little bit overkill. Japanese names on the back. <laughs> Maybe. Uh, and secondly, this or about a week ago now, Bolton Wanderers released their Centenary FA Cup final shirt. Um, so looking back in 1923, and this is a proper heritage jersey. They've got a pure white polo, traditional collar, um, lace-up collar, and then the Macron logo's white on white on the, uh, the right chest there, and um, the big badge big old school badge on on the left chest no sponsors so um one of the sort of most pure heritage throwbacks you'll see mm. comes in a commemorative box too <laughs> <laughs> yeah always nice when you get it presented like that um simple black shorts with the sort of old school black and two striped white socks so i think this is a fantastic kit yeah you also get a Retro style brown leather football scarf, well, and a few other things, but you get that football with it as well. Which yeah, is, uh, yeah, they've gone all out, haven't they? Yeah, why? Why wouldn't you if you're looking a hundred years back? It's yeah, it's really, uh, it's actually a nice change to to actually see you know the the laced up kind of neckline as well. No, no sponsor on the front. It's got a, uh, it's yeah, a bit it's... of, um, innocence is the wrong word, but it, it's sort of pure. back to the, those amateurs that, yeah, pure back to those amateur days. I wonder what the keeper will be in. Surely just like a straight green long sleeve. I hope. When do they play? But 5th or 6th of November. Yeah. Okay. I love it. Yeah, it's a level of innocence about it. Is that the word you said before? Yeah. Yeah, it said pure. So both those probably, yeah, good ways to describe it. And um, because they're looking back 100 years to, to 1923, that's how many are going to be made and sold. So um, that will, that yeah, will go. going, going all out. Attendance up to 300,000 estimated at Wembley. Yeah, they had some ridiculous crowds back then, eh? You look today and the Mac should get 100,000, which is still massive, but they're just packed in back then. The beauty of no TV and everyone wanting to go and see the live sport because that's their sort of weekend escape from what would have been almost coming into the Depression at that time. Pretty unpleasant time, yeah. It's a good point, actually. Not uh, you know, not exposed with television and streaming now and everything else. Yeah, people just don't go to sport as much anymore, do they? No. Certainly, where I'm from, anyway. Hey, and and talking on streaming as well, we didn't touch on it last week, but uh, Barcelona FC Barcelona uh, wore Drake's Ovo Owl as their major sponsor, taking over from Spotify to celebrate the um. The artists first to be 50 billion streams on Spotify. Jesus, that's not a bad number, is it? No, no, it'd be getting a bit of coin, I imagine. 
but on the jersey, I think it's is. I thought it was kind of cool. Like we've talked about sponsor integration before, and there was a team. Who was it? Can you remember Nick? Who was sponsored by uh, was it Paramount or Warner Brothers or something like that? Uh, and every yep. single game, uh, they wore a different sponsor. Yeah, Atletico Madrid in two thousand and three ish. Um, so the, I think Kits bought bought them up before, and they were always crazy. Um, but yeah, this yeah. Barca kit looks nice, eh? Hey, with the gold logo. Mm. Um, it'd be interesting to see if they do it with with anyone else. Joe Rogan. <laughs> Where's the JRE going on it? <laughs> Looking at the rest, rest of the top five list of most streamed. There's a Bad Bunny who I've never heard of. <laughs> Ed Sheeran, The Weeknd, and Taylor Swift. So commiserations to those four people. Slash, yeah. First losers. Mm-hmm. And our uh, friends over at uh, RL Jersey's Instagram posted a few images earlier in the week around some inconsistencies at the Rugby League World Cup. So first one was uh, number 10 for the Cook Islands showed up and played in his away jersey while everyone else was jumping around in the home jersey, which was kind of funny to see. Uh, And secondly was the Fiji World Cup, uh, Fiji World Cup team's World Cup badge was missing certain elements on um, the logo itself, which we, well, they found out um, through some more social posts there, thanks to Mantis Sportswear, that um, the Rugby League World Cup organisation actually sent out all the teams the incorrect logo first and uh, obviously rectified that, but for whatever reason, Fiji had already went to print or didn't didn't get the memo in time and, um, yeah, didn't get the updates through. So it's not the first time that it uh, would have happened. I've certainly experienced it before. I'm sure you guys have as well. Yeah, it's it's like when you get told to put a NRL finals slash premiers logo on a jersey, but the logo doesn't even exist. You get told to make it yourself. So how does that work? <laughs> yeah. Always worth checking and double checking. Once you make a mistake, my God, the workload is just so much more than getting it right the first time. Hey, talking World Cups. Yep. So something caught our eye a couple of weeks ago. We thought we'd hold on to it for the right time. Uh, and you can see by the, the podcast episode description, we are talking numbers this week. And the Australian Kangaroos, when the squad was announced, they did something a little bit different. Nick, do you want to run through what their thought pattern is here and what's been happening? Yeah, I guess it's it's common knowledge now that um, the Kangaroos changed their sort of numbering system. So captain wears one, which makes sense. James Tedesco being the fullback, um, probably the only one that sort of fits. And then the rest of the players being given numbers relating to how long they've been a kangaroo for. Um, so obviously DCE longest serving kangaroo getting the two and then and so on and so forth um player names on the world cup jerseys as well so uh name and numbers when it comes to branding good for for players and stuff so Mm. um interesting to see if if that'll come into the nrl or or other rugby league formats 
around the world. I think it's already in the Super League kit you've mentioned. No, I think it was in the Australian Super League. I may have mentioned that before, but... Um, Greg Alexander yeah. wearing 55. <laughs> um, yeah, I know you hate this, don't you? This kangaroo thing. Yeah, I've... It's hard to explain because you do look at all the other sports we watch, football and cricket, American football, whatever, and they all have, okay, American football to an extent has positional numbers. I guess it's just tradition in, in rugby and rugby league that players play in their positions with the number that correlates to it. So sh- surely everyone who would be listening is institutionalised and know knows the numbering systems, but let's just by happens, happen chance say that someone doesn't. Can you quickly run through from a rugby league perspective, what would we traditionally expect to see? Um, you'd expect to see, well, one to 13 sort of starting with the backs um, and then the sort of front rowers starting from eight and going through to 13 in the back row. Um, so full back at one, winger, centre, centre, winger, two, three, four, five. Yep. Half, uh, six, and seven, prop, hooker, prop, second row, and then your lock, yep. and 13. Um, 14 and 17 should be your utility. I think that should be the rules. Uh, and then 15 and 16 are definitely Ford's numbers. So, um, Okay, yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> and that's com- obviously completely opposite to, to rugby union, where they go the other way, and they start at one um, and go right through to 15 at fullback. They start at one with the Ford's on the props. Um, although it hasn't always been that way, so sort of in the pre pre World War Two, uh, rugby was similar to league in that they were reversed to an extent. Although they had different rules, depending, or they barely had rules, so there was only a sort of gentleman's agreement around numbers, and mm. some things were different to others. But mm-hmm. and so we've got a squad for the Australian Kangaroo, so we may even well, it would be. Nearly every every team that actually ends up taking the field, team and on the bench, it's not going to be a clear sequential numbers or even not even sequential numbers, but numbers in in somewhat order. We've got a whole squad of what? How many players? Like twenty odd players, twenty four players in the squad. Yeah. So all of those players have just been allocated a number. So do we think that there might be putting aside the uh, the branding or the the spin? the look of it, do we think that there might even be a manufacturing thought process behind this too? I'd imagine it's clearly logistical. Yep. Are the other teams doing it, Nick? Just Australia from what I've seen. Sorry if I've got that wrong to any viewers out there. I've only watched Kiwis games. so. And do any other teams have names on their backs? All the, all the teams have names, yeah. Okay. It's interesting though i guess you know it does make sense like it's saying with logistics it's you know you buy your certain player size with the number and name already set to go so you don't have a bigger winger and a smaller winger both wearing number five at some point during this tournament uh so it makes sense from that point of view so it let's just say for argument's sake there's other teams that are wearing names on jerseys at the world cup one of the wingers goes down and out they're out for the the rest of the tournament. Someone else is going to need to slot into that number two position. We would nearly be thinking that they'd be getting names heat sealed on a number two the day before they play then, right? 
exactly what would happen. So it nearly seems, as you say, Kit, it's it's definitely a logistical thing. Every player's just been issued, I don't know, 20 jerseys, no, probably not 20 jerseys, maybe eight jerseys, 10 jerseys, however many they play, um, all named and numbered, and then there's no running around or any concerns in that space. You just run on with the number that you've got. Sounds like they needed our mate Jersey Tragic to head over there and uh, heat press all the names and numbers on the jerseys, which I believe he's done a bit of for the Maroons. Great plug. <laughs> Great call. <laughs> Do we think that this will continue on? We think this might become a bit of a legacy thing now that's going to pretty much going forward whenever an Australian team is picked, that's what we're going to see? Uh, I'd imagine, given the blowback, it'll, it'll probably revert back to the traditional sense. So not just, a lot of fans. Do you think it'll come into the NRL, though? Uh, I don't think that that will happen either. We've spoken about the players will, you know, want kickbacks and... Yeah, I was going to bring uh, that up. That was in our chat with Rob, wasn't it? Mm, From yep. footy jumpers. Yeah, obviously that means players get royalties and, and clubs want to keep that money for themselves. Yeah. Which is really different to a... Is union and league really the only sports that don't have their players tied into a number? Like we look at AFL, we look at the round ball, we look at yeah, American I, football... Uh, I guess you could argue um, netball is really the only other one. Oh, that's, uh, that's, that's completely different. Yeah. That's a mess. <laughs> um, yeah, American football, they've obviously recently changed their numbering system as well. So, uh, for example, QBs used to sort of be able to be 1 to 20 or 1 to 19, um, and then it was... 20 to 50 for for a different set of positions and so on and so forth and uh, they've recently opened it up so players can be sort of a lot wider range of numbers and the reason they opened it up was due to sort of the Kansas City Chiefs having more players than numbers available between 20 and 49 um, Mm -hmm. because they'd retired a few numbers. We see that a fair bit across all the sporting landscape, don't we, in those sports that, that the numbers are tied in with the players? Yeah, obviously you get players with brands, CR7 and R9 and and stuff, and players want those specific numbers when they go to the, the new clubs or new teams, and players have some numbers that relate to, to nicknames. So I know there was a, a guy called Zero who obviously wore number zero, which in itself is a criminal offence. Anyone wearing zero or double zero or like zero five should be immediately fired. What, should just be five, not zero five? Yeah, cut the zero, piss that shit off. Okay. Um, and then another player that uh, sort of had a nickname related to a jersey was um, a basketball player, Andre Kirilenko. So AK, and he wore number 47. That's clever. <laughs> Do you think the, the name came first or the, the number came first with zero? Speaking about basketball, I know that, um, you know, we, we spoke off air and we are talking about, you know, the dream team and why Jordan, you know, typically wasn't wearing 23 and stuff like that. So I looked into that and um, apparently up until 2014, uh, FIBA rules were that, 
international or national teams had to wear numbers between f- from four to fifteen. Yeah, so that's why you see, you know, you saw Jordan in, I think he was in nine or something, whatever he was. Um, so I guess that's not too dissimilar to what the the, the kangaroos have, you know, ended up having a having a be. But um, yeah, just a little interesting tidbit, I guess. Mm. And we know we know why that is for basketball, don't we? It's it's to do with the hand signals, right? In basketball, with the hand when they're calling out fouls or they're calling out points. You've got they use the the hand signals to identify player number. I'm not imagining okay? that, right? <laughs> Is that not the case? case? <laughs> That's new. yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. Just so told me something. <laughs> no, no, no. Yeah. So the, there used to be certain numbers that you couldn't use, and it was because when the when the um on court what are they refs when the on court refs were identifying to the the score bench whether it was a penalty or whether it was a, a point. There are certain signals that you could do with with your hands to identify that. So you'd you'd put two up on one and and your fist up on another. I think that was twenty or something like that. I don't know. Like I'll probably have to go and have a look into it now and make sure that I'm not just making this up. I can yep. talk on it. American basketball leagues at all levels traditionally use single and double digits from zero to five. The NCAA and most amateur competitions mandate that only these numbers be used. This eases non-verbal communication between referees who use fig- fingers to denote a player's number and the official scorer. So, yeah, there you go. To your yeah, point. I was right. Cool. Wasn't imagining it. I mean, 69 would be a great basketball number. Yeah, but how yeah. would you do it with your fingers? You'd work it out. The, uh, takes, me, takes me back to Nick's uh, squash, squash <laughs> refereeing. Instead of calling out the score, he's throwing up gang signs with his fingers. <laughs> it's the, a uh, in my way. <laughs> the new, the new way of counting. So, how do we feel on retiring numbers as well? It's an interesting topic. Eh, you look at obviously clubs have legends, and and retiring their numbers a good idea because you end up with one name being associated with that jersey but i also think there's something special about having a special number at a club like a number seven at man united or the number 10 in the brazil national team where you know it's an honor to have that jersey traditionally you know south american teams will give their best player or their most most creative player that number 10 jersey in football and i think you know Teams, clubs have that sort of same thing with, with the number seven or or again the number ten, whatever. It's crazy how it just evolves over time too, and and through different sports and different cultures. Like we know, the number twenty three is, you know, nearly regarded as sports' most iconic and treasured number, and a lot of players have adopted that number, and it's just kind of evolved from that. And like you said, the number ten. Uh, over in the Americas and the number seven in Europe as well. It, it's it, it obviously starts from somewhere, but it just kind of builds and builds from there. I nearly think it's, I'm the same as you. I get the principle of retiring a number, but I, I like the idea of, you know, that number goes on. Yeah. I don't mind a temporary retirement, like whether you say five years or whatever, or, you know, until someone earns it. Um, but yeah, obviously the longer time goes on, if you keep retiring numbers, you, you're going to run out of 
out of numbers to give out. Mm. There's also examples such as AC Milan, who've retired the number three and the number six for Paolo Maldini and Baresi, respectively. Um, but they'll be unretired if their kids or grandkids or whatever want the number. Um, Paolo Maldini's kid plays for AC Milan at the moment, but hasn't been given or chosen to wear the number three yet. Probably wants to do it justice if he ever sort of gets to that level of his old man. Yeah, that's pressure on, on itself, isn't it? Yeah, even... Un- unwanted pressure, in my mind. Even the whole, like, father-son draft rule in the AFL, obviously off-topic in terms of numbers, but that's a bit of pressure there. Go to the team that your dad was a legend at. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think that's an awesome little quirk in the AFL's oh, definitely, um, yeah. drafting policy. Just but... a big thing to, to live up to, eh? There are pl- plenty of players who haven't uh, <laughs> haven't fulfilled that that name very well, um, unfairly, I guess. But then, like you said, you get the likes of Ablett. You know, I like yeah. it. Yeah, it's, it is good. I I think a lot of lot lot of kids in that position would probably want to make, you know, perhaps own their own number. Um, I was actually, yeah, to a lesser extent. Put in that position um, myself. My my granddad was a pretty good footy player, and he's like a life member and club legend and stuff. And um, and I was playing good footy for the local club, and they they said, "Oh, do you want do you want your granddad's number?" And like he was my idol and like my favorite person in the world. And like got a big tattoo on my, my back for him. And I was like, "Oh yeah, like how cool would that be?" And then I thought about, it, I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like as much as I love him and honor him and this and that, like I'd rather. You know, keep my number, make my. Yeah. What number did you wear? Twenty-three. My number. Of course, (laughs) of course, it was. (laughs) Also tattooed on the back of my neck. (laughs) I suppose you never had a number, Mason, with with nipple. You never had the need for one. Uh, (laughs) Were you Santa? I was a massive C. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Look, I got around, but yeah, I'm a big C. That's my. uh... (laughs) <laughs> that, that's generally where I where I sit, but uh, no, I mean, like in my hockey days, I was number number six. I've my favourite number six or sixty six, depending on uh, the 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 role or the position that I'm in at the time. Six is quite a very close number to me, but yeah, in, in netball, don't really get those numbers. Seems a little sat- satanic to me. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair call. I always wore or wanted to wear number 11. Um, so got that on a few jerseys and, and stuff. But when I played football, I, soccer football, I felt like wearing 11 wasn't exactly right considering the position I played. So I also wore six during <laughs> my football days. Why don't we speak a little bit about your thoughts on... Uh... The numbers that goalkeepers wear in soccer or football. Tell us, tell us your rules there, because I, I think, think a lot of people will be interested. There's a lot of rules that should be adhered to. Um, obviously, yeah, the the goalkeeper ones, the obvious ones. So, any goalkeeper that wears two to one, two to eleven, um, yeah, immediately arrested. 
any outfield player. So Pantelis Cafes, he played for Ike Athens about 10, 15 years ago. Greek midfielder, and he wore number one. So any outfield outfield playing player wearing number one is pretty stupid. Yeah, that is cooked. William Gallas at Arsenal wearing 10 as a defender. Mate, like, get in the bin. Um, any player wearing nine at Chelsea usually doesn't end well. <laughs> well, Chelsea's <laughs> had a few interesting number nines. They had Khalid Boularouz and Steve Sidwell. One was a defender, left back, and one was a holding midfielder. And that should be illegal as well. Obviously, they should be wearing between two and six. And um, tell, tell everyone what a number nine should be. It should be your centre forward. Like we say, Brazil should be, or Brazil having number 10 as, as your playmaker. Um, there's a few interesting stories, though, about how football have done their numbers. So obviously that um, the goalkeeper one, Rui Patricio wearing number 11 for Wolves in the Premier League um, in honour of a former teammate, Carla Keme, who just retired following treatment for leukaemia. So that's passable, but still looked pretty stupid on field. And then Argentina in the 1974 World Cup, they did their numbers by alphabetical order of the players. So their goalkeepers ended up wearing number three and number five, which was absolutely ridiculous. And yeah, plenty of plenty of different examples. Milan Barish at Liverpool wearing five as a striker. Asamoah Gian and uh, players like that wearing three as a striker. The only Just one wrong. I really care about is that your number one keeper should be number one. Yeah. Keepers should only be allowed one, 12, 13, or anything from like 23 and above. Yeah, 13 is one that you see a few of, don't you? Yeah. That's because um, you, you take three keepers in a World Cup squad, right? So you have one and then 12. This is the first number after 11, and either 13 or 23 usually. And how how's uh Donnarumma in '99? <laughs> that was acceptable. It's kind of stupid, but well, he's '99's okay. He, well, '99 is next to one, I guess. Yeah, anything above way. anything above fifty should be reserved for like your youth team. Um, who's the number one in the squad at PSG? Yeah, is it um Kayla Navas? It'd have to be, wouldn't it? Yeah. I might yeah. have been Are- Areola back in the before he left. It is Navas. I know um, Ronaldinho wore 80 for AC Milan because that was his birth year. I'm just um, looking at the PSG keepers. So we got Navas in one. Then we got another keeper in 16, another in 90, and then Donnarumma in 99. Yeah, that's okay. I'll pass that one. Pass the sniff test. <laughs> Uh, another stupid one I find is like the three numbering system. So Liga MX, Football League in Mexico, and the IPL. Um, they allow like numbers in the hundreds, which is just again stupid. You can't be having three numbers on your back; it looks dumb. Why not? Um, it's just just stupid. It's against the rules. I would really love to see an AFL player wearing three digits. Couldn't it? Couldn't even fit more than. The you 22 on there. <laughs> you don't don't see him above 50 these days. You used to back in the day. Unless it's the highest I've seen. Unless it's a second tier competition, like a Lions player will go play Neeful and or it's VFL now, but go play and he'll be number 87 or something like that. 
Another one um, I've seen on the three-digit thing was Robbie Cruz, who wore 121 for the Socceroos because 11 was already taken, and that was his favourite number. Yeah, that's shit-ass. That's just dumb, eh? You can't be having that. And like players who can't get numbers they want, there's been players, Paul Pogba, he wore a jersey once. He was number 10 at Juventus, and he put a plus five after the zero on it. He drew it in vivid because he liked wearing number six, so he wore number six <laughs> at, at Man United, so it was one plus zero plus six, uh, plus five equaled six. And then uh, former Inter Milan player Zambrano, he, uh, number nine was taken at Inter. I think it might have even been Zlatan he had it at the time. Might have been before Zlatan's time, but on his Zlatan war, war eight. Um, anyway, nine was taken at Inter Milan and he wore 18 and then put a plus in the middle. So one plus eight. So, I'd, like to see, uh, I'd like to see sports adopt Roman numeral numbers. Yeah, or like pi. I'd like, like to see pie out there. Speaking of, of pie and not really pro sports now, but my old laser tag team, one of the players we put numbers on for no reason, but she wore X as a variable. So that's probably along what you're thinking. Just on like Roman numerals and stuff. Um, back in the early days of rugby, they often wore letters so, you know, your prop would be A and your fullback would be O and you'd go through. Um, Leicester Tigers did it right up until sort of the last minute when they were forced to change by the rugby union over in England. Um, their numbers went sequentially, so ABC correlated to 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, but then 6 and 7 were flipped. So it was A, B, C, D, E... G F, why? I don't know. That's how <laughs> it was just dumb. <laughs> but um, so they got forced to to wear numbers. Um, obviously by the sort of rugby union rules back at the time, and and just recently, sort of ten ten years ago. So I think it was twenty eleven. They introduced letters above their club crest corresponding to the player's position. So the prop will wear A, and the fullback will wear O above the club logo which is i i think is a pretty cool nod to the club's history you remember that year that i don't know if it was all the kiwi teams it was at least the crusaders had really glossy numbers and they would play under lights and you couldn't see <laughs> couldn't see what the numbers were i think they got changed after a game or two i remember trying to watch it i was like holy shit that's horrendous i know there was a year they had this rubbish font um which didn't have an outline and yeah, the Crusaders, red and black's quite hard to see from a distance, isn't it? So mm. they had to put a silver outline on on theirs. So there's talking on standard fonts as well. We do see that in the AFL and the NRL. Do we see that much over Unless in... Unless you're the Roosters. <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, the um, I think it was the Canterbury Bulldogs decided to just um, keep using, like they were the last to adopt the actual standard NRL font. Do they have to use it? Do you have well, to you use meant, the NRL? Well, you're, you're meant to, yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, and they, their local, uh, their local, whoever did their heat pressing in 
fucking Belmore, wherever it was, is like, nah, nah, fuck it, I'll just use these numbers here. So they were in that, oh, I don't know how to pronounce it, but it's like an Arkin, you know, Arkin Bowl font? Sure. It's quite a, quite a common, quite a yeah, common traditional, one. traditional, like, square, boxy, Blocky, college-looking, yeah. yeah. Yep, so they wore that for for at least a few years um, before the NRL eventually cracked down and told them they had to abide with the rest of them. So I always found that quite funny. Um, I do I do remember it being sort of a two, three, four-year period where it was a bit of a mix. Sort of half the teams had the NRL font and half didn't for a while. Yeah, I don't know if the Broncos were the other one. There was another team, so people will remember, but like Google around like 2013 Canary Bulldogs and you'll see they're still in that bloody... That Ark and Bold font, H and Bold, how the hell you say it? Um, yeah, but to what you're saying, um, there's there's no doubt in my mind that football and you know probably in particular European football leads away in terms of some of the cool designs they do with their fonts. Um, you know, they not not to the extent of probably basketball who really sees it as part of their design, but they some of the cool stuff they do and completely custom-made fonts are, are awesome. I know in Nick's little football football shirt collection, he's got a probably got a selection of them. So, Is it yeah, something you, that you would like to see in the NRL? I don't mind uniform. Yeah, I don't mind the uniform look of, you know, one number. I think the current one is outdated completely probably five years outdated um another thing you see in football is they'll have uh different fonts for different competitions eh, nick yeah so the league will have its sort of standardized Standard font, font yeah and then european competition clubs can sort of wear their own numbers so depending on which competition you're in though they change their numbers and it's quite interesting there's been a couple of occasions where for example, the Premier League only provides five colours or six colours or something for numbers. So white, black, red, blue, and navy. maybe what? No. Navy. Yeah, probably navy. Um, so, for example, Man United a couple of years ago had a, a blue and black kit with yellow trim last season um, and their own club font they wore the corresponding yellow as part of their number font. And then in the Premier League, they had to have white numbers because they don't mm. provide yellow numbers. So the kit was completely different depending on what competition they played in. But yeah, I think you're right, Kit, what they do in the NBA and, and even the NFL, obviously, with your number mm. being the entire extent of your design with the size mm. of those things on the front and back. Um, personalized so numbers to the clubs are, are pretty cool. And I remember... In the 2000s, the Melbourne Storm having their own club font as well. You uh, To give you an insight into how this affects us, so obviously when it comes to the NRL, you know, there's no design when it comes to the font, but, you know, we've obviously had the Queensland Reds and just picked up the Rebels and Four, so, you, you know, there's a little bit of leeway there in terms of, you know, a, a font design. And <laughs> I got Nick to work on some custom fonts for a couple of days and, did some really cool stuff and some gradients and this and that. And we picked one and it was, you know, the way it was going to go and we were running with it for, for a while. And then um, I think we ended up finding out that the Rebels are heat pressing all their numbers on and it was going to be a generic number. So that was a bit of a shame. 
You would generally push for sublimated numbers, though, wouldn't you? Um, well, I don't know, really. I guess it's, well, well only because it looks better for us. I think heat press numbers can make the jersey look a little bit tacky. I think it, no doubt it looks classier, um, especially when you look at some of the NRL, te- NRL teams. I know that Penrith have typically heat pressed their numbers. Um, I don't know the last couple of years, but prior to that, and uh, like you'd see the see the colours coming through the wider the number, and even even where the key line, the black key line's meant to be, it's just hollowed out, so the Penrith stripes can be seen through there, and it just looks shit out. So when you sub it, you obviously have that you know little bit better looking, but um, I guess it comes down to club logistics and uh, you know trying to estimate what sizes are going to be worn by one, what bloke and who's going to bugger off by round three and they're going to get someone else in. So, um, yeah, thankfully all our NRL teams are in sub, sub numbers. I remember a, a long time ago now, probably oh, might have been 10, 12 years ago, is that I think there were a couple of teams mid-game, some of the the numbers started falling off in some of that really humid conditions do you guys recall that i think it might have even been the cowboys prior to prior to you lot having them i don't remember that i remember was it did this oh, was a i think it was a football team i can't remember which one in recent times a football team had all their numbers come off um australian football team and it, yeah okay pretty embarrassing i remember they came out and uh obviously the the supplier said to him, guys, this is your fuck up and we're the ones who's, who's copying a basting in the media. You need to make a release and say that this is your fault. Um, <laughs> we provided the jerseys in good nick and you didn't apply the numbers properly. Mm. Um, I'll see if I can it's a bit up. like that uh, story you brought up a few weeks back of the 300th game in the AFL for Carlton and the numbers were falling off. Yeah, I will talk to that, but uh, I just found what I was talking about. It was a Brisbane Raw. Um, it was the raw, right? Was the raw, so probably plays to towards a humid environment. But uh, I believe, off the top of my head, I can't see it here. But maybe Macron was the supplier or someone. No, it was Umbro. <laughs> and there's a classic photo which I'm sure we might be able to share in our socials. Uh, old mates got his white numbers, and they're they're getting taped on by Elastoplast <laughs> strapping tape. <laughs> On the bottom of the seven and the top of the seven and then again on the front numbers. So um, pretty embarrassing stuff. But, uh, yeah, what, what, like what Nick just spoke about in the AFL was um, when I think Nike was doing Carlton a few years ago. And since, you know, like Rob Meredith mentioned in the mid to late 90s, we started sublimating AFL Guernseys. For some reason, Nike obviously cutting costs and taking advantage of Carlton's Guernseys just being navy blue decide to just get dyed navy blue fabric and just um, you know, heat press all the logos on. Mm. So that's your comp logos, your sponsors, your AFL, um, you know, locker, locker tags, your, your back, back numbers. And um, they, they were just falling off. All the, it was falling off all their training gear and even when they were playing and um, it was Cade Simpson's 300th game and <laughs> he had little 300 special logo underneath his chest and, of course, they fell off. So there's a classic photo of him getting chaired off by his teammates after his 300th game, and uh, there's one remaining zero left there out of his 300. So 
Shocking. There's always that risk, isn't it? Sub sublimation. Everything's there. It's not going anywhere. It'll no. never leave. Hey, was there anything else that you wanted to cover uh, around numbering? Uh, no, I think we've I think we've pretty much covered it. Um, it. I guess a lot of this comes down to the tradition, which you were brought up on. Obviously, an AFL fan and a football fan. So, you know, there's that charm of, there's that charm to me of, you know, when you visualize a player in the team's kit and also the associating number, but, you know, blokes brought up in Brisbane and, and, and Sydney and whatnot, obviously have a different point of view where the, the numbers lock to the position. So, um, it'll probably never change. Some of these traditions, uh, never do. So we'll see mm, what happens. And- even sort of with my opinions on football numbers, like they had positional numbers right up until sort of the eighties and nineties. And I guess the thoughts on numbers relating to positions is just that sort of lag of, of tradition coming into the, to the modern game. Capitalism is a strong beast though. So um, could be the rugby league players association who's sticking their hands out for more or could come in a collecting collective bargaining agreement or something like that but who knows who knows guys i uh just come across the well i saw this earlier in the week and for some reason didn't actually put it in so i'm going to sneak it in now uh we've all seen it the lee centurion slash leopards ah yes jersey that's popped up so we should have snuck that in with the news uh but we'll we'll pop it in there now so two things the rebrand from centurions to leopards mm. uh the jersey itself and add in a bonus there that uh allegedly it's not even a leopard that's on the the jersey it's actually a uh, a jaguar i think it is jaguar really according to a, a google search yeah, wow. so uh, I've just popped it in the show notes there under under the mailbag. So if you were to Google Jaguar stock images, that exact cat that's featured in black and white on the, the front of the new jersey is um, pops up in there. What are they doing? It's not a good look, is it? Um, <laughs> this is the sort of thing clubs pull on April Fool's Day and... Mm-hmm. That's just a shocker what they've what they've done there. The jersey's just cliche and awful, and even just changing the name to what they have from from what it was is pretty dumb. What was the reasoning behind it? Was it dare I say the uh, p word political or it was a a new owner, wasn't it? So they used to be called the Lee Centurions, and now it's the Lee Leopards. Yeah, I d- don't know what gives someone the right to just come in and fucking do that. <laughs> um, We've seen it a few times, haven't we? It happens a fair bit. And, happens uh, in America. Yeah. Yeah. That's Come a whole nother sports culture. Whole nother topic in itself, eh, is just moving a franchise to a completely different well, state or side of the country. Or We could probably do a whole episode on the history of the Charlotte Hornets name. Not the franchise, but the name yeah. and how, how that swapped over, and yeah, that's right. Because the the Colts has sort of got that Baltimore Colts history, and the name itself has popped up and around. And the NFL released a video uh, 
it was probably a good two months ago now that actually had the history of all of the the teams that have ever played in the NFL and which ones shifted and which ones names changed and logos evolved. I should uh, should actually find out. I'll include it in the um, the podcast apps episode description for anyone who is interested a in super interesting wasting video. a good 45 minutes to an hour. <laughs> so it's a great video though. Cause yeah, you see how clubs could come in and out and so much movement in the thirties and forties and different teams in and out. And then you see teams move and have new names. And then the old name team in the same state will pop back up, but as a completely different team and yeah, and all that stuff. So yeah, well, not on the topic of numbers, but team yeah. rebranding is pretty crazy <laughs> in America. Well, and more well, it over there. Well, the, yeah, just quickly, the Charlotte Hornets were the Charlotte Hornets until from 88 to 2002, relocated to New, New Orleans Hornets, 2003. 2004, a new team from Charlotte came in called the Charlotte Bobcats. Yep. Then in 2013, the New Orleans Hornets rebranded to the New Orleans Pelicans. Meanwhile, the, the Bobcats who've come in have gone, oh, f- fuck it, we wouldn't mind being the Charlotte Hornets and um, drawing on some of that history from a different franchise, but just the name. So they've become the yeah. Hornets. So you've got two completely separate franchises who've both laid claim to the, the Charlotte Hornets name. I just, that spins me out. That's yeah. messy. That, there's a lot of, um, yeah, dodginess going on in that, I reckon. You... <laughs> You you can't you can't claim you can't claim the history of another club. Like it's different yeah. if you were to merge or if you were to buy out. You know you're still the same club. You've adopted you know you've adopted everything that the previous club had. But to to actually just undertake the to uh, take ownership of the branding and the name and the logo and nearly kind of force your way into the history of another team. That's yeah that doesn't sit right with me. It'd be like if Gold Coast Suns went under and they said, look, the only way we can save this franchise is to send them to Melbourne. It's like, great, we're going to send the Gold Coast Suns to Fitzroy and they'll become the Fitzroy Suns. Then after a few years, they're like, actually, let's let's be the Fitzroy Lions and try and <laughs> like something like that. Mm. It's just so outlandish. It's... Yeah. You couldn't imagine someone coming in and calling themselves the Supersonics, could you, in Seattle? Like. You just imagine that after OKC moved. Well, even where there's, you know, buzz around NRL having a Perth team and Perth adopting the Bears. Like we're seeing it in that space. Yeah, so, right. yeah, not good. Another thing we missed in the news, guys, is the Huddersfield Giants. Have you seen that one? No, what was that? Uh, So that's also in the show notes there. A bit more of a retro look for them with the collar, button-up collar. Oh, that's not bad. Don't mind that at all. So again, again, courtesy of of RL Jerseys, um, just popped up on their Instagram there. So this kid is inspired by the 1933 Challenge Cup victory against Warrington in the 90th anniversary of the season. I definitely think that sort of retro jersey clubs are starting to sort of do it properly where they are bringing back collars and and going full out for it rather than just subbing your old design on the same pattern that you have for your normal jerseys. 
the collar looks nice and uh, like structured as well. It's, it could just be the photo, but it's it's kind of got a, a sense of um, ruggedness to it, I guess, in a way, a bit of strength there. It's, it's not just like a loose hanging collar, which I don't mind. And the placement of the sponsor is down quite low too. So you, you're getting that chevron um, not cut off by the sponsors there. Good. How nicely does the Oxen logo fit in there too? Very snug on, on that one. The center chest. Yeah, it fits on that size. You probably probably wouldn't want to be going too much smaller. <laughs> I just mean the, the sort of V shape that it's got to it. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty. Yeah, sweet. Well, I actually didn't really have much else for the mailbag. We've been really quiet on Instagram the last two weeks, so we haven't um, we haven't been too active to to get too much back. Thank you to Sean Castelline for uh, sharing the leopard slash jaguar news. But other than that, yeah, not too much going on. So unless you guys had any late mail, nothing from me, Mark. Ah, uh, we're on the on the guest train so i've been trying to organize a bit of that behind the scenes but um nothing too much but yeah we will have some some guests coming up putting a bit of sizzle in mate i like it we'll see well thank you everybody for listening if you've liked what you have heard today please give us some stars yep stars i gave a number last week three three yep is that a center's number three or a prop Oh, it's just my Uber rating, so that's the one that popped in my head. If you've got anyone else who's interested in the sports creative industry, free to share the podcast on. Um, And don't forget to leave a review also. It definitely helps with the algorithm in getting us up the charts on your preferred app. Uh, Mail's been a bit light this week, but if you did want to reach out, you can. Sending us an email at fieldofdesignpodcast.com gmail.com or as always send us a message comment or tag us by our instagram at field of design podcast as nick mentioned yeah we will probably have another guest before the season runs out and the awards episode is coming up real soon so uh keep an eye on our socials for voting on those as well as the categories i guess um if i think that about Calls it, guys. Thank you so much for joining me this evening, Nick. Thanks, guys. And you too, Kit. See you, mate. Thank you. Surely Kit's going to finish us off nicely again. No jokes today. Oh, you ran out last week? Yeah, we used them all. Yeah. I got beat away. The credit. <laughs> beat away. All right. Hopefully this wasn't... Hopefully this was relatively uh, exciting for the people. Numbers chat. It's good as maths. Alright, peace out. Good one. There was also a player called Mumbo.